Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode around the fire on Spirit Reflections. My name is Fred Govea. If you're here for the first time, Spirit Reflections is an ongoing series of conversations in English and Portuguese about people's personal and spiritual journeys, the tools they found along the way, and how those tools shaped who they are and the work that they do today. We interview artists, philosophers, scientists, and religious people of all backgrounds, and in the process, discover more about ourselves. So, if you're here for the first time, please like and subscribe to our channel. Follow us on Spotify and give us your review there. It's very important for the algorithm to spread this message to more people. And drop your comments below, suggest topics and guests you'd like us to interview. And today we're going to be talking with Shavasti, who I have already spoken uh, with on this channel. So if you'd like to see the first interview that we had together, where Shavasti goes deep into his personal and spiritual journey, look at the description of the video below and you'll see the link. And today we're going to be talking about shamanic constellations, how the two worlds come together. And for that, without further ado, let's bring Shavasti. Hey, Shavasti. Hi, Frederico. Nice to see you again. Good to be back. Thank you for being here. So this is a very provocative topic, shamanic constellations, and it speaks very close to my heart. And when you mentioned that you had just come back from a workshop this weekend where you held a shamanic constellations, I said, well, why not talk about that on our channel instead? So yeah, why don't why don't we start from the beginning, how you first came across shamanism and then how it wove itself into constellation work mm -hmm. for you. I first read I first read books about um, shamanism back in the 1990s which is when I st started studying family constellations as well and so I was introduced to both worlds pretty much at the same time however when I lived and worked in South Africa and there I gave many many different uh, many family constellation workshops almost every week actually just about every week I was every weekend I was giving a workshop in South Africa. Um, I made friends with um, a traditional healer, which is called Sangoma. Um, that's what traditional healers are called in many parts of South Africa, Sangomas. And um, her lineage was um, was a Zulu in terms of her, in terms of her healership, although she herself was, was not a Zulu. Um, I believe that she was um, Patsutu, Patswane, Patswana. Um, and um, if she's listening, she might correct me if I've got that wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, but she was an, an indigenous African woman. And um, so we became friends. And so I would invite her to do um, healing ceremonies in my workshop space where I gave family constellation workshops. And so, which and and so the healing tools are a little bit different in Africa. There's there's a natural homemade beer that's involved, and different herbs that are burnt. So, a lot of people know shamanism because of the influence of the United States, and and so a lot of people associate shamanism with Native American spirituality. Right. But the reality is, is that I understand that the word shamanism itself comes from Siberia. It's a Siberian word. And so it was the initial spiritual practice and healing practice of all cultures throughout the world. And so native shamanism, peoples all over the world, right? Yeah, native peoples. And so there are threads that are very common 
in all forms of shamanism all over the planet. There are belief systems that, that are common, not, not identical, but uh, are, are, are fairly similar. And there are some, some unique aspects de depending on the culture. So my first um, kind of more in-depth look into the world of um, alternative healing in terms of energies and calling upon the ancestors and spirits and spirit guides and, and, and shamanic guides was in Africa through um, my friend who was a Sangoma. And what really grabbed my attention is that after we'd known each other for a while, I opened up a new workshop space and I wanted there to be a very special ceremony in order to open up the space for ancestral work with my family constellation work. So she invited her teacher to um, initiate me in the world of working with the ancestors and to do a blessing of the workshop space that I had. And so this man who was a Zulu and uh, he was a very dark skinned man. And, and, I, and the context of me mentioning that is that when he started to dance, he started to embody a different ancestors and bring them through. And then all of a sudden I'm staring at the face of my grandfather. Oh, wow. And my father, of course, was not a dark skinned Zulu man, mm -hmm. but I recognized his face. And it kind of shocked me. It frightened me a little as well. And But I'm very curious. And I thought, okay, well, what's actually happening here? So that really, really grabbed my attention. Um, I didn't dive deeper into the world at that time of shamanism because I was very busy with my family constellation work. Just one thing, Shavasim, wanted to go back to that moment that you shared. When you recognized your grandfather's spirit entity energy through that Zulu man when he was dancing. Did you afterwards speak to him about that channeling or that presence you felt of your grandfather through him? I didn't speak to him because he um, didn't actually speak English. Oh, okay. um, so I, I had no personal conversation with him. Um, but I recall having a conversation with my friend Larato um, and um, she assured me that it was something that, that happened from time to time, that um, some of the, um, um, I guess, priest is, 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 I'm not sure what the proper word is for the, the teachers of the Sangoma tradition. Um, I'm not too sure what they're called. This is many, many years ago. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm talking about 2000 and five that this happened so um so nearly 20 years ago now and we're recording um, this in 2023 so yes yes and we're recording this in 2023 so um but i understand that that was part of the tradition was to bring through the ancestors and so this this transfiguration took place uh which again um enthralled me intrigued me frightened me a little bit as well to be 100 percent honest because i'm thinking well how is this actually happening so it wasn't at that time that I really dived deeper into the world of shamanism, um, but I, I maintained my interest and I continued to read books and I attended a couple of shamanic workshops, um, including a, a, a workshop of shamanic constellations by a Dutch gentleman called Dan van Kampenhout, who's actually written books on, on shamanism, shamanic constellations as well. So I attended uh, one of his workshops too, in order to find out more. Um, and then years later, starting in 2009, 
And so between 2009 and 2013, I studied with a Native American shaman. And so I joined one of her programs. Her name is Patricia White Buffalo. Um, you can find her on 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 the internet. Uh, yeah, quite these easy. are all great resources that we're going to be putting at the description of the video for people to do further reading. Patricia yeah, White so, Buffalo. So Patricia White Buffalo, who has a three-year program in shamanic practice, and so I delved deeper into the world with her. But it's taken me quite some time to to find a place of merging between my twenty-five years experience with family constellation work and then also my experience with with shamanic and, and energy healing work the two dovetail very very well you see there are some people in the family constellation world that see family constellations as more or less a psychotherapeutic process mm -hmm. however there's a lot more to it than that because we engage in the knowing field mm -hmm. and so therefore it's also an energetic process as well because there are phenomena that take place within family constellations that are not seen in regular therapy outside of the workshop space. And Shavasti, if we can just for a second uh, define a little bit for people have, who have never heard this before, we engage in the knowing field. Right. Well, <laughs> so then we're talking about energy. Mm -hmm. So for example, I give you an example from the 1990s. Myself, I think it was my second or third workshop that I attended, it could have been my first workshop, but it's an experience that stayed with me. And so in a constellation, we take individuals to represent either living individuals or individuals that are no longer with us. Mm -hmm. And so in, in a way that is still a little bit mysterious, because the more we explain it, the more complex and the more right. unbelievable it sounds. And so there is a little bit of mystery there's a way in which the representatives have access to the feelings and thoughts of the people that they're representing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes even display the physical symptoms that they might have been suffering. And so there was a particular constellation in which I was brought in to represent someone's grandfather, which I thought was quite straightforward. And um, there was nothing to do. You just stand there and um, you wait for whatever arises within you. So what happened with me is that I stood in as the grandfather and then I stood on one leg. What was odd about it, every time I put my leg down, it spontaneously went back up again. And I really had this resistance to, to standing on both legs. Um, and because I've been in the spiritual and energy healing world for many, many years, it's not a phenomenon that frightened me, it just intrigued me. And I thought, okay, we'll just go with this. Then the client said to the facilitator, my grandfather lost his leg in the First World War. Mm. And so that got my attention. And that made me very quiet within. Because I was not aware that I was consciously channeling and I wasn't using my psychic abilities right. or powers. I just stood there and I felt it in my body and there was this physical impulse to raise one leg. And so there I was representing the grandfather who had lost his leg. Could have been the Second World War. I'm, I, I actually at the moment. Sure. I'm yeah, but that's a great example of being yeah. in touch with the knowing field. With so. the knowing field. 
And so in the knowing field, we're opening up to representations and the presence of those who are no longer physically with us. So in other words, with the dead. Mm -hmm. So in the shamanic world, we also engage with the ancestors. We also engage with spirit guides and we engage with shamanic guides. So again, another non-physical world. And so for me, over the years, there's been this emergence of a perfect um, um, fusion between the two different worlds. And so let's not pretend that family constellation work does not engage in the non-physical world. Right. Mm -hmm. There are phenomena that appear that are clearly from the non-physical world, as was my own particular experience. Right. As right. was my and, and in my own experience, by studying spiritism in depth for 20 years, Alan Kardec, its founder, his first book published in Paris in 1857 called The Spirit's Books, The Spirit's mm -hmm. Book, which has over a thousand questions and answers that he compiled and asked through mediums all over Europe and North America through correspondence in letters, as well as in personal seances with uh, people who would channel and would go into an altered state of consciousness and give answers, mm -hmm. including two uh, teenage girls who would be completely unconscious mediums. They would go into trance and when where would they come back? They would not remember a thing. Mm -hmm. So the information contained in this book called the Spirits book comes mm -hmm. from these sources of different mediums and Kardec only included the information that was uniform in its es essential answers. Everything that was not uh, uniform in the multiple sources, he discarded. And in one of those questions, he asks, uh, do the spirits influence us? And the mm -hmm. answer was more than you can imagine. Many right. times it is them who are sort of conducting your lives. And so, right. you know, when right. we really think it's you. I'm yeah. paraphrasing, but that's the, mm -hmm. the, the, the gist of it. Mm -hmm. So for me personally, and I do not speak for everybody that does shamanic constellations, I'm not the right. ultimate authority in this field or any kind of authority in this field, sure. only in as much as I have studied sh shamanism in depth um, and I have 25 years experience with family constellations. And so I've derived my own way of working with the two modalities as a fusion simultaneously. So for me, shamanic constellations are more ceremonial in nature than regular constellations. So regular constellations can be quite dry. Um, they can be very um, therapeutic in nature in, 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 a, in a traditional therapeutic uh, way. But um, shamanic constellations are a, lot, uh, are a lot more ceremonial. So for example, I've just given a shamanic constellations workshop um, the weekend before last in Bulgaria. It was a four-day workshop. And we combined regular systemic constellations um, and also shamanic con constellations, not at the same time, but we, sure. we I, I worked differently according to the client and what their presenting issue was. And so we started with a lot of ceremony. And so we built an altar where we placed photographs of the dead, candles and offerings, fruits and, and local herbs, etc. It, it also happened to be the Day of the Dead in How beautiful. In Bulgaria. In, in fact, we did talk about this over messaging, uh, our, our messages that we wanted to do an episode on the Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead, since 
it has so much resonance with the work of family constellations right, right. honoring the dead and the ancestors so well the 4th of november which is different to the rest of europe the 4th of november is the day of the dead in 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 bulgaria oh okay and so the first day of my workshop was the 4th of november beautiful and and as it was a shamanic workshop we couldn't let this just be forgotten and unacknowledged so we built an altar to to acknowledge the um to acknowledge the ancestors, um, which is deep in shamanic tradition, which is deep in, in traditional spirituality across millennia, across every culture to, to honor the ancestors, those who pass on life to us, who pass on wisdom right. to us, who pass on knowledge and experience to us. Mm -hmm. I still cook some of my mother's recipes, who no doubt learned from her mother and her, and her my grandmother learned from her mother, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I have some traditional Spanish recipes that I still cook that I'm very grateful for because they've been passed down through many, many generations. So we started hungry. By, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we built this altar and then meditations in order to enter the shamanic world through the doorway of the heart. It's important yeah. to enter through the doorway of the heart because, um, all healing is about the movement of love. It's about restoring love. It's about restoring, um, as Bert Hellinger in F Family Constellations would talk about, restoring the orders of love. Mm -hmm. And so meditations in order to not only enter into the shamanic world through the heart, but also to sum summon the shamanic guides and healers, and also to ask for our healing and benefit beneficially influential ancestors to come and make themselves available to the process. And some of that we do through through dance and across many, many um, cultures across the world, dancing and dancing for and with the ancestors and with the healers is one way to, to summon forth those energies. So on a shamanic workshop with me, there is a lot of dancing and with drumming, mm -hmm. etc. And so that, um, that uh, it also serves the purpose of taking the participants into a light trance state from which we can enter that world. And so once we open that world and, and invite these energies and the spiritual influences and spirit guides into that space, that's when we start our constellations. And so one of the constellations we do is just simply a soul retrieval. Mm -hmm. Soul retrieval. Soul retrieval. So that Let's is talk about that. So that is retrieving a part of us that we have either neglected, denied, distance ourselves from, or have lost through trauma. Mm. And so many of us grow up in a culture where there are parts of us that become denied. Mm -hmm. There are parts of us that are not welcome. So that could be, for example, our gentleness. Mm -hmm. So for example, when, when I was growing up, I was often told to toughen up, toughen up, right. toughen up, toughen up. And so I learned to lock away my gentleness. I learned to lock away various feminine aspects of myself, that they weren't to be seen, they weren't welcome because I was too soft and I was too kind, etc. And so we all have parts of ourselves that we that we learn to lock away so for example 
um, many young girls were taught to be kind. They were taught to be pretty. Right. And therefore their intelligence, particularly if they were smarter and more intelligent than the boys around them, was not particularly welcome. Mm -hmm. so, so so retrieval can be a type of deconstruction of gender roles that were externally imposed upon us as we grew up. Correct, 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 correct. Um, I think the word soul retrieval is misunderstood. I have a much broader interpretation of that word. So I just see it as being a part of ourselves that has either been neglected, denied, locked away, shunned or separated because of a great trauma. Got it. So up until this point, we're talking about our own souls. There's no connection with entities. No, 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 no. Just Got a it. part of ourselves, a part of ourselves. And so that gets represented in a constellation. So we have somebody who is representing the lost part of ourselves. We have someone who is representing a beneficial shamanic influence. So someone who represents a shamanic guide and then someone for ourselves if not ourselves directly i worked with i tend to work <coughs> i tend to work with my clients directly rather than than through a representative that's just my placing the client in the field as themselves yeah. yes i place the client in the field as themselves nine times out of ten nine times out of ten i prefer to work that way um and so with drumming and with movement there is a process that takes place in which the client makes a movement towards the separated or lost part of themselves. And um, it can be a very intense process. And having just witnessed this again this past weekend in, in Bulgaria, um, a constellation can, can take um, half an hour right um, there can be a lot of tears there can be the body can can tremble and so it's also an energetic process as well and and shavasti in these situations does the client name what the lost part of themselves is or does it stay unnamed and the representative for that unnamed part just mm -hmm. moves moves with the field it, it remains unnamed but it becomes very clear to the client very clear to the client yes yeah very clear to the client um so it can be a deep anxious part of themselves um or it could be to do with a um with a with a promise they made themselves or a vow that they made to be silent about something mm. um so these are sort of aspects of things that came up this past weekend um and so the i mean I would not have a problem with the client naming the lost part of themselves, sure. but just in, in, in how I normally work, it's not normally named, it's just represented, and then it it just comes to light on its own, and right. it becomes very clear what it represents for, for, for the client. And that becomes more impactful for the <coughs> client and all the participants anyways, when it stays unnamed and the field manifests it and people through that phenomenon realize what it's about and go from and you guide them from there right facilitate mm -hmm. from there from then on mm -hmm. and do you then uh study the ancient traditions of a particular location like bulgaria for example and and then you start the rituals or the ceremonial aspects of the shamanic constellations with those references 
Um, no, region? not particularly, not particularly, although um, I did ask my clients in Bulgaria to bring indigenous herbs rather than imported herbs, because then we're right. working with the spirits of the land and the mountains and the, the land, river yeah. in, in, in Bulgaria and also with Bulgarian ancestors as opposed to Native right. American spirits, etc. So, um, yeah, so that's really the only instruction that I give. Beautiful. And so once that part of the soul retrieval is concluded, do you could then continue a, a regular family constellations workshop? And then at some point you include the shamanic aspect, if you feel like it needs to be there, as I understood, that's how you, you did the four week, four day workshop, right? Depending on the client's situation or issue. I'm not really going back and back and forth. I really, um, I didn't do any traditional family constellations at all in this past uh, weekend. I did other types of constellations that are less systemic in nature. So um, deeper um, healing movements. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's kind of, it's a different energy. If you, if you set up a regular family constellation, then move on to a shamanic constellation, then go back to a regular constellation. And so I, I wanted the whole workshop to be more ceremonial in nature. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And would, would these, would, were the people there first time participants, the majority of them, oh, or had they no. attended your workshops um, before? I think all, almost all of them, I had a group of 35 people. So at least 30 plus were trainees in a family constellations training program. Got it. So they were familiar already with this. Yeah, they were familiar with family constellations and they just wanted to experience and work with a different way of working and very enthusiastic. And, and I'm going back next year. Beautiful. To do the same thing. You yes. weave a thread of community that you are able to uh, develop each time you return. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I've been to Bulgaria, I think maybe seven times now already to give nice. workshops. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And so is this approach one that you would normally uh, do it for people who have some familiarity with family constellations, the shamanic aspects of it? In other words, would you advise somebody to introduce this modality to people who have never done a workshop before and never attended one as participants? Mm -hmm. I've only ever worked shamanically with people who have done family constellations before. However, I don't see any particular issue or problem with working in this way with people who have not done family constellations before. Great. I don't see an issue with that at all. Yeah. Beautiful. I mean, as long as they're in it open to energy work and uh, open to the mystery of some healing movements, because there's always some kind of phenomenon that takes place um, that is unknown or could be unknown that suddenly makes manifest in the workshop that gets people attention. Um, right. So, yeah. And to your point, I think the biggest hurdle is getting people to open up in a group setting about personal issues. Yes. Yeah. So, um, it would be very difficult to work in that way with people from the street who've never done therapy before. Right. or who never entered any kind of personal process, who have never done any kind of healing or self-reflection. Um, so I'm, I really move in that world, re really move in that world. I mean, I do occasionally get somebody who comes in completely fresh to this world to one of my workshops. And um, 
I kind of take them under my wing and, and uh, I'm not trying to convince them of anything sure. and they can pa participate as much as they want or as little as they want. And, um, and they normally go away touched by something. You know, over the years, people often ask me, well, how do family constellations work? And the reality is we could spend hours talking about that. And the shortest answer that I give is, I don't really know, but I just know right. that it does. And that was one of the most powerful experiences in our week-long immersion in Bali, where you and four other teachers, world-renowned mm -hmm. facilitators, uh, gave us several practical exercises and moments of reflection. And in one of those that you uh, led was the, I just don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sort of mantra and affirmation and just sit with that for several minutes mm -hmm. and really feel that in your body and it was quite powerful to have well that's my own that's my own personal mantra because i do a lot of work and, and in the old days and the old days like 20 years ago i used to prepare for everything i would prepare and make notes and prepare for workshops and it preparation just interrupts the flow when I sit with, I just don't know, and when I get my body accustomed to that statement, I just don't know, then I relax. Yeah. And when I relax and I'm open to something new appearing. So um, I really don't prepare for my workshops. During every break, I go and sit somewhere and I wait. And I wait for an image. I wait for an inner movement to come that shows me what the next step is. And that is how I work moment by moment by moment by moment. Mm -hmm. So, for example, for this interview today, I thought we were talking about something else. And then <laughs> you told me what the topic was. And I thought, oh, well, I haven't sat with this. So what did I ask you? Can I just go away for a minute? So I literally went and sat on my bed for one minute just to align myself to this topic, not to figure out what am I going to talk about, but just, okay. So the topic is shamanic constellations. And so I just sit with that and I wait and I wait for a feeling or an image to come. I don't sit in my head trying to figure out, well, say this and say that, say the next thing. I just become an open channel. Right. Yeah. We established the intention here that it was going to be shamanic constellations right away it sets up a field and all you had to do was just sync up with that field by exactly. exactly yeah so you set the intention um i was intent on something else until you informed me otherwise we'll, we'll do that one too stay yeah, tuned we'll everybody so i just need to realign my i just needed to realign myself so that is really how i run all of my workshops and really everything that i do i walk into the unknown all the time because family constellations, we are walking into the unknown all the time. Every time we set up a constellation, we have no idea what direction it's going to go. And, and so- and, and in your experience of 20 plus years of family constellations work, have you tried to set an intention for a particular workshop, a practical one, say couples or honoring the dead or the inner child, and you found that in the weekend workshop, something totally different played out than what you had originally no, intended. I've, I've never had preset intentions. Got you know? it. That's what I want to never know. had preset intentions. Never, 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 never. I've never worked that way. Um, I just allow 
whatever wants to emerge to emerge and 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 it's not chaotic when 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 I, when I say allow whatever wants to emerge to emerge it doesn't mean that it's a chaotic workshop right. with no direction um and so the 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 there's flow but there's also simplicity with it as well things do not need to be complicated in order to create a healing solution they can be quite straightforward really quite straightforward and so for me the shamanic constellations this past weekend were very very powerful um they create a lot of healing for people people went into very very deep processes and um i'm looking forward to giving my next shamanic constellations workshop which will be in march in istanbul march oh, 2024 in istanbul yeah march 20th through the 24th in istanbul no and march 2024 Oh, March 2024, next year. And yeah. that one is open only to Turkish-speaking clients, or or if you speak English, you can uh, sit in, in that one too? Um, I think it would be a complication to have English speakers attend that workshop because there is translation. And then um, if there are any group exercises, and there will be some group exercises, right. then then we have to then find go another English speaker. Yeah. Go back and forth and find another English speaker. So it really is actually only open to Turks, Turkish speakers. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. And in this world of shamanic constellations, Shavasti, especially in this weekend workshop that lasted four days, do you notice that people come back the next day and say, I had this dream, it was very powerful, and can we work on this dream today in order um, to piece things together? No, that hasn't happened. That hasn't okay. happened, yeah, yeah. So we do a lot of dancing. There's a lot of dancing, which is something that I learned from my own shamanic teacher, Patricia White Buffalo. We would dance for hours on end with with, with the drums. And it's a very um, effective healing tool as well. Um, and so we would go into the dance with an intention. And the intention would be to discover that which is not serving us, to burn off that which is not serving us, to become conscious of that which we are not that which is not serving us and also to dance with our shamanic guide so um so with, with an alchemy of release if you will with an alchemy of release through the dance yes yeah so yeah my students had very very and they loved the dancing part of it so but it's not it's not like a boogie in a nightclub <laughs> this is very shamanic rhythmic uh, music that's being played with lots of drumming, etc., and so all over the world, we see indigenous peoples dancing to drum music. Right. Yeah. And yeah, so it harkens in a very basic and ancient type of musical discourse, which is rhythmic in nature. Right. And rhythmic is physical. That's how we interpret rhythms mm -hmm. through our physical body. Yeah. And so there's not a lot of instructions necessarily that need to be given in an intellectual level you feel it and you set the intention like you said and after no. a few hours people don't really have to report back they just mm. went through the process and they're ready so for through, the next layer and so through the dance and the movement and the meditation we're continually opening the doorway to the shamanic world continually opening the doorway to the shamanic world so we would dance and then do a constellation dance and do a constellation dance and do a constellation meditate and do a constellation so we're constantly invoking the presence of the shamanic guides and the ancestors to hold us to guide us to heal us mm -hmm. sounds and like you need to bring your fitness watch because you'd be burning a lot of calories in those four days too right <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, some of the dances were pretty long. Yeah, yeah, some Beautiful. of the dances were pretty long. Beautiful. And if and I guess if people want to discover more about uh, your work, they all, they can always read your books, which we also have here in the description below. Mm -hmm. um, in the Patricia White Buffalo Shamanic uh, Practice Workshop that you did, um, I wonder if there's some insights that you could share with us here in the context of what you're doing today with Family Constellations for people to get a, a clearer sense of how the two can work together. Mm -hmm. uh, what what do you mean? I didn't quite understand the question. Um, you you said you went to the Patricia White Buffalo Shamanic Practice Workshop, right? Well, it was a training, not a workshop. A training, pardon me. It was a three-year training, yeah. Three-year training, year, right. Three-year training. So if there's things that come to your mind from that three-year training that you could share here in the context of Family Constellations work that could be useful for people that are in this journey of integrating different modalities with their family constellations right. practice? Well, first of all, as empowered individuals, there's nothing to be afraid of with the spirit world. Through family constellations, we're already engaging with the spirit world. That's very, very clear. Mm -hmm. And that the spirit world can be our allies Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean to say that lower energies don't exist, because they certainly sure. do. Mm -hmm. So the lost and forgotten parts of humanity, the results of trauma, etc. So these are all part of the spirit world um, as well. And so um, through collective intention to bring about healing and to summon forth energies that can support us, and so the doorway is the heart. The doorway is the heart. The doorway is the heart. And, and I continually repeat that. And so um, so I, I learned a lot from Patricia. Um, and, and for me personally, it's the development of the heart that is, that, that is of ultimate importance. You know, if we're involved in spiritual work, then we need to ask ourselves, well, why are we here? What are we doing? And it really is all, all about restoring humanity's heart and restoring, restoring broken hearts. It's about encountering broken hearts and bringing healing to broken hearts. And not only for ourselves personally, but also to our family system and across generations so that future generations could have fewer wars, for example. Mm -hmm. right. Fewer children who are abandoned and abused and mistreated. And so it's all about healing the heart. And so when we enter the shamanic world or enter the spirit world through the doorway of the heart, mm -hmm. then we're summon summoning forth benevolence. And it's working directly with that benevolence that is, that is very important. Working directly with that benevolence. So would you say that a parallel way of looking at this, at the lower energies in the spirit world, uh, are what we consider shadow work when we want to look at our shadows and work with our shadows and become familiar with our shadows and embrace it and you know integrate it accept it would would that have some kind of resonance perhaps with lower entities and lower spirits in the spirit realm mm -hmm. well <clears throat> i'm not an expert in that particular area um, and it's not something that I talk about with, uh, with, with an amount of authority. However, my experience is that a, um, a lot of lower energies are simply dis, disowned parts of humanity. So parts of ourselves that have been 
um, separated through trauma, through hatred, excluded somehow, excluded through acts of violence, etc. And so we all have, I'm very hesitant to use these words, we all have these lower parts of ourselves, parts of ourselves that we've excluded. So doing a shamanic constellation um, in the form of a, of a soul retrieval constellation, we certainly can um, come across a lower part of ourself. Mm -hmm. But define low. Because in my experience, when we see these parts of ourselves, they are frightened. Mm -hmm. So when you approach a frightened cat, what does it do? It hisses and it scratches and and it attacks. So we could think that we are approaching a very aggressive cat. But in fact, it's a very frightened cat. And why is it frightened? Because every time it goes out, it gets attacked by dogs, let's say. And so here we have a traumatized cat. And so externally, it can appear to be aggressive and unfriendly and and vicious cat. But when we get closer, when we appease it, when we uh, approach it with kindness, if we're successful at that, what we see is a cat that's very frightened. And so in these separated parts of ourselves, that is often what we come across. That is often what we come across. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So are there manifestations of tremendous rage and anger and painful sobbing in those moments? Painful sobbing, yes. Anger, yes. Um, so I've seen it all. Um, but none of that particularly bothers me. I remain calm and centered with it. Um, I think that when we come across something that is dark or something that is disturbing, it's of paramount importance that the facilitator remains calm and centered, not detached and dissociated, because sometimes detached and dissociated can look like calm and centered as well. depending on how skilled the individual is at masking what's really going on with them, but really calm and centered. And so I know to the depth of my being that love and kindness is the solution to everything. Love and kindness is the solution to everything. So no matter how lost somebody is, no matter how dark something is, when approached with love and kindness and acceptance, mm-hmm, So if we approach it with, you're bad and you're evil and you need to be retrieved, you need to be saved. Yeah, no. And that's not helping matters. No. Right. In your experience, have you worked with individuals who went into those moments of tremendous anger, rage, grief, and because it was a shamanic context... They also tapped into their psychic and mediumistic abilities and therefore went to into a trance state that was difficult to get them out of? No, I've never experienced that. Never experienced that. I, I mean, I've, I've had experience of people going into those very deep, rageful, fearful um, um, spaces, of course. That also happens in, in regular family constellations right. as well at times. Uh, but no, somebody going into a deep trance state that they can't get out of? No, no, I've never experienced that. 
Beautiful. Never experienced Beautiful. that. Yeah. Beautiful. Nice. I think this this is a great introduction to shamanic constellations that we can have on Spirit Reflections for people to discuss, comment, and ask us questions, everybody, of what we talked about here. And we'd be happy to answer them in a future episode. This is hopefully developing a long thread of conversations around the fire for people to benefit from. So, I think it's a very beautiful way to work. I love working with shamanic constellations. Um, the shamanic world and the astral world is very much my home. It has been my home for a very long time in terms of my work. Um, when, um, when I went to the Barbara Brennan School of Healing, which is an energy healing school, um, um, the astral was very much my, my playground. And so I love the work in that, in that area of the human energy field. Um, so the, the, um, Brennan healing science refers yeah. to that as being the fourth level. And so that's very, 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 very much my home. And so over the years, I've integrated a lot of what I've learned from the Barbara Brennan School, from Patricia White Buffalo, from Family Constellations together. And so when I work with people one on one, I can be doing um, um, cord healing, working with with relational cords, etc. Although that's not my particular um, focus, uh, the language of the soul is more my focus. But yes, I look forward to doing more shamanic constellations. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. you did mention something I have never heard before. So I must ask relational cords. Yeah, well, um, in the human energy field, we have chakras. Okay. Um, and so the, the most accepted model is that we have seven main chakras. There are lots right. of minor chakras as well. In, and there are some traditions that give us eight chakras and there are some traditions that give us six chakras. But the main accepted um, uh, model is seven chakras. I mean, to be honest, when we enter the world of the non-physical, non it's very difficult to put a very firm and fixed external structure onto it right and so therefore the model of seven chakras is a very useful model to use i'm not saying that it's the ultimate truth but i'm saying mm -hmm. it's a very useful model so each of the seven chakras um we have energetic relationships with other people we are energy beings right and so um because we're working together, we would have connected with each other energetically. So sent cords to one another. Yeah. If you're a dear friend of mine, or if you're my lover or my partner, then there will be many cords between us as well. In, hopefully, in several, from several chakras. From right. several chakras, yes. So hopefully connecting heart to heart. Right. And so, yeah. But a lot of people also have uh, relational cords coming from their solar plexus as well which can be which can be negative cord attachments in in terms of control and will it's it, it's it's resentments uh, and unfinished business yeah, grudges that kind yes, of thing etc etc et yeah yeah got it and what we could call an entangled cords entanglements mm -hmm. entanglements as well so a lot of the languaging we use in family constellation work is mirrored in in energy right. healing work i've never they're one and the same yeah. i've never particularly seen the separation between the two yes yeah what uh, Telia de Chardin says, which I love, everything that rises mm. converges. Right. So the, 
the vocabulary and family constellations, shamanic world, when it rises in intention in the heart-centered kindness, it all converges right. and it's all the same, ultimately. Yeah. So for me, um, I want to continue offering more shamanic constellation workshops, um, not only because they're personally very pleasing for me, but I see the power of the transformation that takes place. And, and because it really does get people out of the mental. It really helps people exactly. get out of the mental and just really come into the heart and to follow the natural yeah, movement, yeah, yeah. follow the natural and, movement. And it's, de it's definitely not this or that, it's both. Because you can have a setting where there's a lot of intellectual learning and studying and reading and discussing and mm -hmm. analyzing and conceptualizing, which is all very useful and beneficial. And at the same time, you can have a setting in the same place where people loosen up and go into their bodies and out of their heads more to mm -hmm. echo what you just said mm -hmm. and experience and feel it in their bodies, mm -hmm. something more akin to shamanic dancing mm -hmm. and, and ceremonial dancing in order mm -hmm. to connect with the rhythms, the ancient rhythms that are vibrating all over our body mm -hmm. unconsciously. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So it really is a doorway into um, the world of, I call it the beneficence of the beneficence. Yeah. So that, um, which is kindness, um, which is love, that which is beneficial. Um, you know, for generations, we were taught that that God was a he. Right. And that God was separate and superior to us. The other thing that we were taught is that nothing else in nature had a soul. Human beings had a soul and that mm. we were separate, separate and superior to animals and nature as well. And therein lies the root cause of many of our problems. So there we, we have a God that is separate and superior to us and nature that is separate and inferior to us. These deeply ingrained dogmas mm -hmm. and stories that we were conditioned to believe in, right? Yeah. So through shamanism and through shamanic constellations, we are attempting to bridge that gap because there is a vast field of awareness and consciousness that we are a part of and we invite that in and we participate in that and we become a part of that. We also invite in the spirit of the rivers and the mountains and the trees and we bring herbs in. And so we invite in the soul of nature as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, and what is beautiful to see is the media uh, really approaching that world and making it uh, intelligible and teaching it, if you will, to children. Disney, for example, so many movies like Coco and Soul and others that are attempting to showcase this whole dimension of the ancient native spirituality and right. for people to connect with that that is already in them, right? And so that was our initial, that was our initial uh, movement is to heal the separation that has been caused between divinity, our divinity, and also the divinity that exists in nature. Yeah. One of the constellations that we did was that we did a group constellation 
to represent all of those who had been falsely accused of witchcraft by the church in the past. It was a very powerful consolation that brought up a lot for people because there was some anxiety in the room as we began to enter this world. And I began to address that. There were a lot of questions about evil spirits and things like right. that. So we have been taught for generations, for generations, for generations, that this world is all about the devil, that it's all evil. It's all the work of the devil. And it's not, it is our original, it is our original spirituality. And so, what the churches have done is to work hard to own all of God's authority. They made God a man. They made God an individual entity as opposed to God being all that is within a united field of awareness and consciousness. And so my shamanic workshops are in part about healing that separation that's taken place and addressing that fear. Really, yes. really that there, there is a lot of beauty, wisdom, depth, and healing contained in the Judeo-Christian tradition from thousands of years. And at the same time, when we see the way that the Ten Commandments was transmitted to us, it was all based on, don't do this, mm. don't do that, mm. don't stay away from this, avoid that, all sort of um, in a warning mm. tone. And, and I think there's a level of that that still permeates our collective unconscious mm. in walking in fear of these places. So, well, oh, I, oh I think God, it was, this is the devil. This is the hell. This is, you know. I think it was more concrete than the Ten Commandments. It was the fact that millions of people were burnt at the stake. Right. In, in ritual sacrifices, you mean? Or in witchcraft? No, I'm, I'm talking about the, the witch trials. And so... Right, the witch trials. Yeah, so for hundreds of years in Europe, especially right. women were accused falsely of witchcraft and were right. burnt to the stake. And so there's a very deeply ingrained fear of, of persecution and prosecution right. uh, and death and torture for entering into this world. So it, it became forbidden. It became right. absolutely forbidden. Now, um, I don't want to go into too much detail now because it would take up too much time. But um, in 2013, I had a near-death experience. And from that time forward, I started referring to God as the benevolence because that's all I experienced. Beautiful. Was this vast, a feeling, right? Vast benevolence, vast, vast, vast benevolence. And yet we've been taught to be afraid of the spirit world. We've been taught to be afraid of God. I'm a good God-fearing Christian. Right. I'm a good God-fearing man. I'm a good God-fearing woman. So we've been taught to fear this world a lot. And so in part, my Shamanic Constellations workshop is around healing that fear, healing that fear and opening the door to the Shamanic world and to the spirit world and saying, welcome. Come and have a look. I guess a in look. a way, in a way, is uh, deconstructing our uh, fear to of the patriarchy, and moving towards a love of the paternal, and then including the maternal, and putting yes. them on equal footing in inside of us and around yes. us. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. We can go on and on, but you 
have a pig that's roasting and I don't want it to burn. So. <laughs> yes, indeed. I do have a pig that's roasting. Sorry to any vegetarians listening at the moment. <laughs> no, but Shavasti, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And I hope that if you're watching, please give us your feedback, your comments, any questions you have, we'll make our best efforts to answer them in future episodes. And until then, I wish you all the best and see you in the next episode around the fire. Thank you very much, Fred. Ciao. Bye. Thank you.